right, what's up, what's up? Welcome to a bonus episode of The One Inch Barrier. I am your host, Juan Carter Sohano, and I hope you're all staying safe and staying healthy. All right, so uh, before we get started with this film, a quick reminder that this is part of the 2016 retrospective where we talk about the films that were nominated for Best Foreign Language Film alongside Iran, the, Iran's The Salesman. Uh, we've already discussed Denmark's Land of Mine and Sweden's A Man Called Uwe. So be sure to check that out. Um, full episodes are, full bonus episodes are on Patreon. All right. So for this bonus episode, we are talking about Australia's official submission for Best Foreign Language Film at the 89th Academy Awards. We are going to talk about Tana. Co-written and directed by Martin Butler and Bentley Dean. So for a quick summary of the film, this is about uh, two lovers, Wawa and Dain. Um, and they have a romance. However, the, the woman was uh, ordered to be in an arranged marriage. And because of that, she runs away with his lover. That starts um the violence between the two tribes and this becomes their battle for either preserving their culture and tradition or following their heart even if it means moving away from their um environment in search for freedom all right so that is a quick summary of tana our guest for this episode is from the Philippines. She has been the guest in this episode twice now. In season two, you heard her in the episode discussing Nowhere in Africa in the films of 2002. And in the fourth season, where we discussed Volver a Empezar in the films of 1982, she is a filmmaker and a film colorist. Um, please welcome Carla Manalo. Hi, Carla. Thank you so much for coming back. Hi, Carlos. Thank you for having me again. For the third time. Of course. And this is the first time you were um, advanced, <laughs> booked in advance, not on short notice. Um, yes. Yeah, thank you so much first for... First time, I'm, I'm not a fallback. Oh, no, 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 no. But those two episodes were... <laughs> uh, we had wonderful discussions and, and yes. things worked out well. <laughs> um, and I, I enjoyed it still. Yeah, I... I Even though um, it took me... A short, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a shorter time to finish all the watching. Yeah. Oh, compared yeah. to now. Yeah. Uh, well, again, I'm, well, I'm happy to invite you very formally this time. Not like, can you do this? <laughs> it's like, I'm happy to have you on. <laughs> all right. So for this episode, we are gonna talk about Tana from Australia. I do believe. <laughs> that mm-hmm. this is the first nomination of Australia in Best Foreign Language Film at the Oscars. Um, first, first, yeah, this is the first from Australia. Mm. Um, this is this is a film that um, you haven't heard of before, um, and it's a discovery. So I'm excited because it's fresh. So. Initial thoughts. What do you think of Tana? Uh, hmm. 
the first time you told me that we're going to watch this film, I didn't expect it to be like about a tribe. I thought Tana was a girl or something. And and because it's from Australia, I didn't expect it to be like about a tribe, a community that has a different civilization from us or from like away from the city. But after watching the film, my first reaction about it was uh, I felt like this could be um, compared to to the the classic Romeo and Juliet story, except that um, Wawa and Dain, Dain is the guy, right? We're from the same tribe, right? They're from the same tribe. So it's like a twisted Romeo and Juliet story. And uh, it's kind of fascinating because I didn't, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I didn't expect to like see the same kind of story that uh, we can call, we can already call cliche or classic from something that the uh that 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 the environment is um very different from us or like the usual environment. Yeah, I I do agree that um that's the thing that stuck because this is a rewatch for me. I already saw it for the 2016 episode way back in the first season. Um, I was excited to go back because the first time I saw it, I was just like a mind blown. It felt like I was transported into a place that is... It, it felt like an, a plunge, like an immersion mm-hmm. um, to an environment so distinct, so immersive. And that's not... Mm-hmm. That's not to exoticize the the subject because... Um, because, it, for example, this is the first film entirely shot in the Republic of Vanuatu. It featured, um, like, real life... Um, indigenous people mm. so it is um, it was, is already inherently different from what we would see or expect because this is a first in so many ways but that doesn't automatically translate to a filmmaking that's immersive and with Tana I think there is such an appreciation not only to the people but also to the environment that they live in and it becomes this, um, yes. there is this, um, like, the film builds an ecosystem where mm-hmm. they are strongly linked, like nature and mm-hmm. human, they are strongly linked. Mm-hmm. Therefore, there's no other, you cannot isolate those things. They feel bound together. And that makes this filmmaking immersive because you fo- either you follow the characters or you just, um, you're there for the aesthetics of it, which is like stunning. They are so linked that there's no other way but to really, like, throw yourself into it. But the film does it not... It's not as if it's pulling you in, but it's letting you breathe the rhythm of the story, of the of the plot and the environment. And then you just go in sync with it. Um, you know, I think I, there there's a review of where I think I saw... It feels like in a different world. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a, a really compliment or not, but it just feels something different yet very familiar because it's tapping mm. on the Romeo and Juliet trope. Um, they come from mm. I think 
two tribes, two tribes. Um, yeah, they're from same tribe. They're from the same tribe. Yeah, but the other guy that they arrange for wow is from the different one. Yes. Yeah, so with that, <laughs> yeah, it, it's tapping on tropes, well-established tropes, even mm. in our literature, which mm. which means, like, we're Filipino, but we're so much um, tapping into the Western literature. Yes. It feels universal and yet very specific because of the specificity in it. Um, yeah, what do you think of that? Did, did, did it ever feel to you that it was been here done that or was there something refreshing about this take on this romantic star-crossed lovers mm, I think for me it's a fresh take because I didn't actually expect things to end that way but I and I I find uh, yes I find it refreshing compared to I don't know Maybe there's the thing that this is actually based on a true story that it it helps that it it made it fresh because it's true. I'm not sure if I would feel the same way if if for example um I didn't know that this is um based on a true story. Like uh uh the story being real made it somehow fresher. Like, um, I don't know, if I think about Romeo and Juliet and um, and and about how Shakespeare wrote about it, I would be like, oh my, oh my God, um, you would judge them for being this love crazy somehow. But here, because you understand the that this happened because they that, that this happened because of some custom because of their nature because of the things they believe in as a as a tribe um it kind of helped with the story that this is not just about two lovers um fighting for their love it's like um fighting for everything that they actually need group accustomed to like it fighting their tribe fighting their custom um um accepting their faith that they will be dead even though they didn't they believe that way right like even though they didn't get to eat the poisonous mushrooms they always believe that they're going that the that the bigger um that the volcano would, would one day kill them I think it's somehow fresh. It's weird that it made the um, Romeo and Juliet trope a lot fresher than I think it should. I do agree. There is this. There is a simplicity in it that it doesn't. Of course, it's almost bound like a romantic tragedy, and I think that's where um, the Romeo and Juliet trope gets in. But it's also based on true events and an actual marriage dispute. But I think. What I appreciate about this film is that there is enough for it to make it already rich. The texture of the storytelling, the the strong sense of place and time, um, that it didn't need to just embellish the drama even more. Like 
the simplicity mm. of the story made mm. it more urgent. Um, it made mm. it more um, uh, close to us because mm. um, it wasn't this uh, extremely elaborated tragedy that would, I think, would give a distance to us. But instead, it presented this story that could be anywhere and yet it's happening here with very specific uh, details that make it uh, on its own, the Vanuatu, the Vanuatu story. Uh, I just found it very rich in a way that it's bound, it has bound itself in simplicity and yet the simplicity isn't restricting or simplifying it, but it's actually an acknowledgement on how rich it already is, that the, there's no need for bullshit. There is a trust in that um, the story stands on its own. The move forward is to en uh, enrich in it with how we tell the story, the visual language that would come in, and how we would create the mood, and not really to embellish what is already uh, there in the first place. So um, I really loved that for it, that it was, it was simple. And I think usually in film criticism, people take simple as like an, an insult to the filmmaker. Oh, the film is simple. But I don't think it is. I think simple works if it's well used in a film. And there is an economy to how the filmmaking was made. That it's both epic and intimate. Grandiose and small scale. I don't know. I cannot um, I cannot put my finger in it uh, on it that Specifically because um, I don't have the ethnographic like background to really dig deep into it. But with what I'm getting, um, it feels special. Like once you watch it, it already feels special. Um, but it's not to the point of exoticizing or like othering the subjects or the environment or the setting. It's just rich for what it is. And I love it for it. I I really love this film. That's <laughs> not clear yet. It, I love this film. <laughs> um, I think it also helps that uh, uh, they they made the the, the tribe people, the members of it, act right. They are really the 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 people of wait. What's the name of the tribe? Let me. Imedin. Performed by people of Yakal. Like yeah, they are not, uh, yeah. It it um at the beginning there was like a a um what do you call these? Like a credit to the people that they were the ones who actually act for the story. So I think it helps that um they're not real actors, and uh uh they are the ones who were like telling the story. Which I, which I think they are actually the ones who um who were um telling the directors and everyone doing the film about um they are the one who's telling the story to the directors. Does that make sense? Yeah. And, and, yeah. So I think it's it's kind of nice to see. To see how they actually did that, I'm actually more um interested with how the directors and the writers um 
write or concluded with the story because um you know the story is not theirs but they tap the people who are like the um I don't know the people who actually knew about the story and they were the ones who acted or made the story more real. That's it. Um, they made like they made the story more organic. Even the kid, like their their actions and and like there almost no act. There is almost no acting because of how like at first they only show the like the the you know the everyday life of the tribe people. Yeah, it does uh, feel lived in. I mean, I I was thinking of the word organic, and you you got it. Um, it feels organic in because, as I have read, uh, this was made I think um seven months of immersion of the directors, to the tribe, Ooh. and then they developed the film with the people, and the people were mm. allowed to, do things in their daily life, so there is the marriage mm. of reality and fiction that comes in, which is beautiful because it's almost. Um, unidentifiable mm. and yet you know it feels like a you know a reenactment yeah it it does feel like a reenactment or like a what is that is it like a docufiction where like there is a strong link between even what we're reenacting is something that is real so it's almost as if we're not acting and yet it, it's it's more like mm. being present in front of the camera and telling the story mm. and um mm. that yeah. That uh, that blurring between fact uh, fact and fiction made it even more rich because you're not seeing people acting, you're seeing people living, and um, and then you put that story in that, it just gives the film a more lived in quality. Um, you know, the, you know there are lots of like great films, but I don't always say that the film feels like it's breathing <laughs> or like if it's a living thing. Tanda feels like a living thing mm-hmm. on its own. It it's mm. it's so wonderfully done, and I think the direction of Martin Butler and Bentley Dean is so there. The eye in capturing what matters in this scene, balancing environment and human tension and peace, euphoria and tragedy. Um, certainty and openness. It's like uh, these things come together um, and it comes to a simple story. It trickles down to that level. Uh, it's so beautifully handled and like this, this is the kind of film that um, that makes me jealous <laughs> because they already told it so well. Like I want to do it but I cannot tell it anymore mm-hmm. because you've done it so well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's impossible for you to make this kind of film. Really? <laughs> eh, uh, I think there's a... Well, if you want to, I don't know, immerse into our country, I think we'll one day find a story as great as, as this one. Yeah, I, I don't Because doubt, we're also yeah. rich with... Yeah, well, we're we're also rich with the myths and um I don't know the things our elders used to believe, but yeah, I believe that this one is a like it's like a well done steak. 
I, I, I don't doubt the richness of the culture of the indigenous people of the Philippines. It's just like, I doubt my skills in storytelling. Like, <laughs> I wish I could tell it this with, with this elegance, with this. Just like, I think it's almost like it's overflowing with love in a way that it's like, um, there is love for the people of the. Mm. It doesn't feel like the, the characters were being othered. It didn't feel like. In a, you know, there are films that they feel like condescending as if like they're treating the indigenous people as weird or like there is this embracing of the culture. Mm-hmm. We see yeah. um, aged women, topless. They're dancing yeah. in, the, in the open. They're um, mm-hmm. soggy breasts shaking. Mm-hmm. And it's the life. It's the mm-hmm. norm. You see them mm-hmm. like um, scrubbing leaves and they make it their clothes. It's not something. It's not a spectacle for us to see. It it shows yeah. it as matter of fact, and that makes the film more of us going in or being let in instead of like, oh, these are the indigenous people. I I just find it so beautiful and the most respectful of. Yeah. representation of indigenous people on film because uh, they don't treat them as curiosities. Other, instead, we see them as we're with them. And it's almost like the immersion of the filmmakers with the community pays off because the lens isn't exoticizing but more um, because of how it really in, the, the, um, the vision is so well embedded in the culture that allows for a simplest for a simple story to bloom and find its own footing and be its own person rather than a copy mm-hmm. of the tragedy that we already know in so many stories from the before. Yeah. That's the I think that's the word I was looking for. Respectful. Thank you. <laughs> because it um it feels like it didn't even though, for example, Wawa and Da in the main characters, um, they were like supposed not really like bad like bad members of the community, but they were the ones who were trying to break away from the system. But they were not like villainized in a way. And even um also the elders, even though they they were trying they were trying to um make the the couple come back to the community, right, and make things go right. But but their customs were also not that villainized. Like it was um um both sides were respected and both sides were given enough time um exposure explanation or or like you understood um both feelings. Even though they come from, or even though it could be a like a generational problem because um these two were like young and they they're just you know trying to um live their life um yeah uh I think it's it's a respectful kind of storytelling that. Not um not villainizing anyone, not even the volcano. That the volcano is supposed to be the like the god or the creature that comes after the people. But yeah, 
Hey, what's up? Thank you for listening to this preview of this bonus episode. If you want to hear more, please head to patreon.com slash the one inch barrier. For only $4 a month, not only do you have full access to bonus episodes, but you also get early access to regular episodes. Again, thank you so much. And together, let's break the one inch barrier.